0: Welcome to Service Sharp. This is a podcast all about ServiceNow. We'll be talking strategy, architecture, technology, and everything ServiceNow. This podcast is not affiliated with ServiceNow. The opinions expressed are our own. We're just people that are very passionate about the platform. Join us for every episode.
1: All right, this is Jason Gibson back with Service Sharp. Uh, of course, I've got Randy, Brent, and Justin with me. We're going to do something a little bit different this time. We're going to be doing something a little more technical, and we're going to be doing screen shares. This is going to be posted on YouTube. Uh, so uh, this is uh, more educational than we typically do. Uh, you'll actually be able to learn something, and, and let, except for us rambling on when we do. Um, but... Uh, Justin, um, Brent, uh, Randy, would you guys, uh, say hi real quick and we can get started. Hi real quick. <laughs> Hello.
2: Hi.
3: <laughs> this is the best really? start we've ever had. My name is Justin Klaspel. I've been working with ServiceNow for five years, I believe. Yeah. We're coming up on five now. Yeah. Uh, are with food is that right yeah, yeah 2015 longer than that.
2: 2015
3: that'd be five years wow only 2000 wow i guess so that's how math works i think I... it
1: is it is sometimes <laughs> anyway more. i don't know yeah uh, it feels like a lot longer for some reason i it feels like i've been doing this all my life well it's only been
3: five years but it's been you know like 12 versions
1: yeah, well, that's, <laughs> that's about
2: right. Yeah. So,
3: <laughs> no, I mean, we were on I, we were on E, and you know we're yeah. up to O now. So, I don't want to do the math there because that would make me look smart, and I'm not anyway. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, w- I don't want anybody to see me struggling with doing that math, so I'm not going to do.
1: It. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you don't want to see the pause there for right. for, for way. At too least long. I'm
3: not on camera, so you can't see me counting with my fingers. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, Yeah. so anyway, we're going to be covering, actually, uh, API, um, API integrations, um, and Justin's kind of going to walk through uh, that real quick and kind of show you an example of what that would be. Uh, Justin, why don't uh, you take it from here and uh, let me know later so I can harass you.
3: All right, sounds good. So all I'm going to go over today is the... It's a very simple REST API. It's not going to require any authentication, but I'll show you where you would enter that um, on the screen now. You can see the wonderful service sharp uh, available on Anchor FM, and then we also have it on YouTube's without the S.
1: Anyways. which is probably the best place to watch it at.
3: Yes, yeah, I don't believe the podcast would be the best place to do that. So we anyway, go over to our YouTube. Uh, I assume there's a link somewhere. If, from the podcast to be able to get to this. Uh, That's probably a good idea. Yes. So anyway, hopefully that link is down in the, or over or up in the description, wherever it's located at in your particular platform. And I'm going to move on now. So. And it gets better folks. It, yeah. It, <laughs> yes. Yes.
1: yes. Be, pr- be prepared. All right. So real
3: quick, I'm just going to run through a couple things. First is the developer website. It's an amazing website. So developer.servicenow.com. Sign up for a free account. You can create your own instance here. It's not waking. It's currently awoken. Anyway, you get a free instance. Uh, It's very good, especially when, like, a new release comes out. You can upgrade it to or just close it out and make a new one for whatever the newest release is. Or you can keep them open for a little while. I don't know how old you can actually keep. They force it eventually to move up. But uh, anyway, you get these free ones. You can play around, follow along on what we're going to do. It's very and quick.
1: if you break it, you can always restart it.
3: Yeah, if you ever mess up, you've got all sorts of – you can play with plugins. Uh, you can add demo data, remove demo data, reset and wipe. Uh, there's the upgrade, although there's nothing to upgrade it to, so I don't – anyway. Yeah, great website, and they also have these little learning plans you can take. Uh, every, every release, they update them so it'll look like you've never done anything. So if I went into one of these, they'd be empty, but – uh, depending on where you're starting at, these have some excellent, in, excellent courses that you can take, uh, little modules that go through all sorts of stuff. These are getting more, more advanced as you go down here, but, uh, this first one is definitely great. Even if you're, you know, not a necessarily a, uh, everyday worker, but you're interested in it or just thinking about it, anything like that. These, these basics one really goes over some of the core concepts, uh, so anyway, I highly recommend you do it. That's on the learning part of the developer site, and then your instance itself uh, is also available there if you want one. So moving along, uh, here's the my developer instance that I started for this. Uh, we'll be working out of it very, very generic. The only thing I've done is I uh, have created the REST uh, message to make sure it works, but we're going to go through all that again and, and do it anyway. Uh, and this is the example API I'm using, uh, I have no idea who who made this, but they uh, it's a free one you can make, or that you can consume rather, sorry. Uh, so congr- thanks to this person, uh, props to them. But anyway, it's a wonderful API. It just has very basic Git. I'm not gonna show how to do post, put, or delete. Uh, but again, if you wanted to play with it, they've given you the endpoints here, and uh, details gives a little bit more information about it, and also shows you Uh, the, the sample results. Uh, So again, great, great little website. That's what we're going to use for this. We're going to do this first one here that just grabs a big list of all employee data, uh, which is actually, I don't remember. I think it's like 19 records or something like that. Uh, People, this is all live. So people can mess with it. There may be more or less when you do it, but moving on to do a basic rest integration. So things that rests are commonly used for, you know, weather APIs, uh, like on here, they have the finance API. If you want to, you know, check stocks or whatever else you might be needing to show. Uh, I know weather is common. Uh, mapping data is also a common thing you would use a REST call for. Uh, I've used it for uh, zip codes. You know, somebody put in a zip code and you return back the uh, the city and state that that zip code is in. Uh, you could also do the reverse. You know, address lookups. Look all all sorts of things. If anyone else on the call knows any other REST APIs they've consumed. Throwing you all in the spot here. Okay, moving on.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't think of any off the top of my
3: head. Yeah, I can't really think of any, but weather and... and
1: weather, and the, we did the Google Maps API was one that we've consumed. The, uh, you know, and I use, um, for, for testing stuff, I, I use a, a different, you know, um, I use Postman, but... It's, and they've
3: also got like if you have a service, uh, you could actually do any sort of SMS outbound thing that you know, like they're doing push messages here with the ServiceNow
1: app. Uh, I did I'm uh, sure you could do Slack ServiceNow, now to, ServiceNow to ServiceNow uh, integration has been is is pretty pretty simple uh, with the rest messages and uh, yeah, so yeah you actually can do that as
3: well. Them. And they Slack, have a,
2: another Slack way of doing one. those, but
1: yeah, yeah, and Slack is one
2: of those that you can.
3: So anyway, to real quick, well, as you see here, I've made this one already, but we'll make a new one. So to get, let me start over again. When you're on the main thing, just type REST up here in the navigator, and you will see outbound and REST message is what you want to you, you want to click on. And then new would be to create a new one. And for this, we're just going to do example REST employees. And the endpoint is not admin, that is just for some reason following my wonderful auto populated stuff there. Uh, but the endpoint for here is what they're calling the full route. So you would take this, copy it, and then paste it in there. Uh, if you wanted to make this multi purpose, because all of these APIs go off API slash v1, that might be a better. Uh, a better way to do it would be to do this and then you get multiple calls that do each of those. But well, and,
1: and that particular one has to be v1 which is version the v1 indicates the version. Um v1 v2 if you leave it blank though, you'll get whatever the most current version is. So I think that's uh, something that we we like to do occasionally.
3: Yeah, when you're when you're talking to a service now, you definitely that's an optional. Uh some APIs that may not be optional. I've not tried this particular one to see if you can leave out the versions. Uh, But ServiceNow definitely does it that way. Uh, They do that so that if you do use, let's say, version one, uh, if we ever change it, you still have version one, and so your integration with us does not break type of thing. So uh, it's pretty common, like Jason said, for you to be able to leave that out. But on this one, we're going to leave this way. And we're having no authentication. This, again, would be if you have basic or OAuth, uh, you can... If you choose basic, which is basically like username, password, and you just pass it, uh, and then you can create your own or, or use the built-in one. This is the easiest way, I think, to make the authentications is to choose it and then click the uh, the search there and then click new from this page instead of trying to find it over here in the navigator. Uh, there's several different types of authentic- uh, authentication uh, things you can make credentials you can make. And sometimes it's not, it doesn't create the right type, but if you do it through here by choosing base, it already has all that assigned. So anyway, uh, if you're doing it, one that does require authentication of some sort, you would, you would make it here. Mutual authentication. Uh, I've never used that, but you know, authenticate
1: so it can only be – mutual authentication can only be, only be used through the mid-server as well, So and it it can work. It's basically like sending it back. You authenticate, then it authenticates. And so.
3: Anyway, uh, that would be something to, to play with if you need it, but I've only ever had to use BASIC, and OAuth I had to use for a Microsoft Intunes integration once. Um, but moving on, here's where you would put your headers. This particular – uh, API does not actually require any headers to be passed, but some will require you to pass, you know, like uh, format. And then JSON is how they'd want it labeled. And so this is where you would put your header. Uh, again, this would be on whatever API documentation you have. So if it's like a Google API, they will tell you what request headers you need. And this is where you would fill those out. Uh, we don't need any for this. So I'm just going to leave that blank. Uh, and then, and these are just strings. They're not, you know. There's no. If you put a number, it's still just a string. Just throwing that out there. And then I like to save it instead of submit because that way I stay on my page. So right click up there and save. And as you can see, we now have methods. You have a default get which is automatically going to pull whatever you had as the endpoint. So we'll click on that. And as you can see, it's already got that filled in. Uh, we again, you're allowed to inherit if. For example, on this one, there was the uh, there's post and put and delete. Those are possibly going to use different accounts, uh, so you may have to again specify a different uh, authentication type here, or you can just inherit. Uh, here again is your option to to add the request headers and query parameters. Query parameters are like up here in the address bar, anything after this little question mark, you know, URI. Is, a, is one of them. And then sys rest message would be, this right here would be the value. So just to give you an idea what a query parameter is, uh, they're just a the little, well, they're query parameters. I don't really know how else to word that. But anyway, anything after the question mark and before an equal sign. And then after this, it's going to be uh, an ampersand wherever the next one would be in there that I can't find. So who cares? Uh, and then, And and the neat thing about these – so here, I'll show you up here. You can can actually do variables in your endpoints or your headers and query parameters. And to do those, you just do – you just do that, which would be a dollar sign curly bracket and then whatever you want the variable to be named and then in curly bracket. And so I'll show you how to use that here in a second. But, again, you can use them in here as well. So if we do filter uh, and we'll do dollar – curly filter, and then we're going to go ahead and save this again, and I'm not sh- you can auto-generate variables up here, or you can choose this one here, or you can manually create them. So, I'll create the first one manually real quick. We're going to create filter. So, you hit new. We don't want to update our password. The name will be filter. The test value is going to be JSON. We, d- we do not want any escaping unless you're doing... Uh, if you're sending XML, you may have to escape, but don't worry about that usually. And so as you can see, it automatically adds it down here. What that's going to do is just replace this here with the word JSON, and I'll show you that again. Uh, since we had another uh, another uh, bleh, variable up here, we can now still hit generate, and it should generate.
2: Uh, yeah.
3: And now we have type. And so for type, If we look back on our API, I hope I'm not moving around too much here. After V1 was just employees. So we'll go back here. And for a test value of type, you just double-click on the – if you can type it right. And we have employees. These are just the test values that you're putting in here. They're not necessarily defaults. You'll see how to add to those. But, again, we have the two types – And so, this is going to make that be v1 slash employees. So, at this point, you can actually just test, which is what uh, we'll do here in just a moment. Uh, Actually, let's go through with the test real quick. And before we we start messing with the background script and how you actually would consume this in code, we'll take a break for that after I show you the test. But, again, now that the variables are down here and filled in, or if you don't have any, because you're not required to have variables. So, if you had no variables on here at all, you could just hit test. And it will bring bring back the trying to update the password uh, again. Status 200. Uh, 200 means a success generally. Uh, technically, the person who makes the API can return whatever they feel like it. So again, reference the API documentation. Uh, but most commonly, two hundred means it's a it's a success and a it's like a four hundred one and a four hundred three. I believe are generally account issues, whether it be permission or password. 500 and 400 are usually uh, either you have a malform uh, syntax on sending it or the server side, something messed up. 500 is generally something on the server side, but it can still be you messing up the query as well. So just some things to keep in mind. 200, good. Uh, any of the 400s are generally your fault <laughs> or the you know the account may not have the permissions as well. That's usually a 403. And then 500 is also can be anyone's fault, but definitely not uh, not good and those are just again the the common numbers, but they can number it however they want technically if they don't want to follow defaults uh, so again here's what the endpoint ended up being as you saw we had it typed where it had uh, the type you know dollar sign curly type, and instead it, it put in the test value uh, there is no parameter actually because uh, you don't you don't pass them. It did not have to pass them. Uh, here are the, here's the response you get back, which is all of the employee data in one big JSON string. This can be returned back in any, it could be XML, It could whatever the API is gonna respond, it does not
1: have to be JSON. Uh, but JSON is really, in my opinion, easier to work with.
3: It is very simple to work with and I'll show you just how simple uh, here in just a moment. So again, that was a test. Uh, you can go back to your test run and I'm gonna delete the header here because we don't actually want the header. Actually, you know what? Let's let's make one, I'll put the filter down here. And then I can show you what it would look like if you have a query parameter in your,
2: uh, oops,
3: let me save it real quick. And I'll show you what a query, query parameter will look like on a test run. I'm gonna auto-generate again, which will delete Everything there. And oh, I do make that dollar sign filter. There you make it an actual variable. Okay. Save again. Auto generate. Hit OK. We now have the filter. And this in the test value is where we put JSON. And now we hit test. And right here you can see that it. this is what it would add as a query parameter, the filter, and then it replaced with JSON, which was my variable replacement. So I'll show you how you can do all that by code later, because a lot of this, uh, especially if you're like trying to consume this one here where you push the ID of the person, you'll probably want to do that from a script somewhere. So I'll show you how to replace the uh, query parameters via code here after we take a, a quick moment for JSON to... Uh, to talk to you about something.
1: All right, so yeah, we uh, we need to take a quick break and listen to our sponsor. Um, and and when we come back, we're going to be uh, moving on with this and continuing uh, to to talk about how we we use this. So um, give us a few minutes, and we'll be right back. All right, we're back, um, and Justin, he's going over uh, in an integration uh, and how to get an integration done, uh, kind of a step by step. So, um, Justin, if you don't mind, let's go ahead and uh, take it from here.
3: Sure. So, uh, real quick, I'm going to run another test just to I want to show you how simple. No thing, How simple JSON data is to to work with here. Uh, It helps if I show you my screen, doesn't it? All right. So if I just paste in, there's the whole whole JSON uh, response. You just right-click format. This is using visual code, but I'm sure all sorts of – probably should have hit all that. Anyway, all sorts of this – tools can do this, I imagine, Sublime and probably Notepad++ and whatever else there is out there. But, uh, yeah, now you see the status – the data, each, each individual record inside that data. Very simple to read uh, and much lighter than XML is. So, uh, again, just very easy to work with. And assuming you have a tool like Visual Studio Code, which is free, uh, that can do a format document uh, and filter it out like this, very, very easy to read. Uh, While well, a big old clump of XML, you can format XML as well, but it would still have a lot more special characters that might make it harder for some people. Uh, to be able to filter through and read.
1: Yeah. Well, not only is it, it, the the name is pretty awesome too, but it is, it is very easy to work with. Yeah.
3: Well, there's, yeah, it's one of those things where, you know, I call it Jason. Some people call it Jason. Uh, I don't think it, it's not even tied to like how long you've been doing it. Cause there's plenty of people who have been coding longer than me that don't use the same way of pronouncing it. <laughs> yeah. We all know what we're talking about. Unless there happens to be a Jason in the room, like there is on this call, then I guess it could be confusing, but, uh, Anyway, so that's the very simple part of just querying, getting a result back from a REST API. Uh, Again, this is out on the web. This is just a website out there, so it's not like I'm querying the service now. This really did go out to a website, consume their API. Very simple. Uh, Just a handful of clicks, especially if you're consuming a public API that has no sort of authentication, which, I mean, even authentication would have taken another, you know, three fields to fill out on yeah. that authentication
2: profile. Yeah. So it's not another, a thing. another five seconds. Yeah. yeah probably.
1: Yeah.
3: Uh, oh, and I guess I should, I forgot to point this out earlier. If you are not doing an external call, uh, and you need to do in your own network, uh, you would use your mid server. And here, I don't think the instance has a, no, the, the test instance doesn't have a mid server, but you probably do if you have a install going, uh, and if not, they're very easy to set up. Obviously, I'm not going to cover that in this course. But uh, anyway, you could choose a mid-server, and that would scan your local network, however you have your mid-server set up. Again, make sure that it has access to whatever server or site you're trying to, uh, to consume. Because uh, some networks are far more complicated than others. So, But again, yes. that's how you would do it. would be here. You just choose it on the HTTP request. I don't believe you can actually do it at the top level. Yeah, you can't do it at the top. You have to do it at each method. Uh, I don't entirely know the reason for that. Maybe it's just to prevent accidentally using a mid server.
1: I, I well, don't. and I and I really like to change the default get to just get or something more specific as well.
3: And that you can do that as well. We could rename it get, and I, I'll show you how this. Hold on. Uh, when you preview, so this is how you would call it the name. And that's like, Jason has a good point. This name is how you're going to refer to this method when you're trying to consume it in code. So default get might be probably not confusing, but it might be confusing to someone who's looking over the code and not familiar with it. Uh, So if you just, if you just change it to get, or you could even do get employees or whatever, whatever you want to call it uh, and then save it. And so now whenever I click down here to preview script usage, this will actually give you a copy and pasteable example of how to use this in a script include. Uh, I i have not tried it client side. So I don't, I can't answer that question if it works on client side. Uh, I do know it works uh, in a server, server include or <laughs> script include or a business rule though. I do know it works on those. Uh, and again, it already, if you have any, uh, variables created it will already give you this here if you do not have variables obviously there will be none there Uh, but these are handy because like I was telling you earlier if we needed to change uh, on one of the other calls there would be another one that is you know employee comma one or whatever and that one would be in your business rule or script include you would pass you know current user number and then that would query the API that way so that's how you would use it, is, and I'll show you how to do that in a business uh, business rule here in a second, or not a business background script. So anyway, you can copy and paste this code, and I'm going to do that.
1: I mean, I've used it in script includes, and I've used this in in business rules and scheduled jobs, but I don't think I don't think I've ever used it in a client side either.
2: I, it is actually suggested not to use on the client side because of. Uh, because of the way it works and all it, it is suggested to use um, um, on the server side since
1: it's yeah. synchronized. I and, mean, we, you can still call it, call it for a, call a server side, server side from client side. If you want to pass information into the client side, I'm that sure. is just yeah, glide ajax
3: call your script include. Yeah. I mean, that's the way I would do it. Just take another level of removing that from the user anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause they, if it is available to do on client side, they could technically manipulate the, the JavaScript of that code, if they were smart enough, I guess, to try to do that. I, again, I'm not not so sure how well it would work in a client-side script. But uh, well, ServiceNow it, it, recommends not doing it client-side. So. Yeah,
1: in, any sort so of
3: things you're going to do it behind the scenes anyway, because again, we're going to pass. Like you're going to hit submit, and you're going to want, or even on populate, you're going to want the the code that way. So you would you would not. Uh, I don't think you'd want to do too many client
1: things. Mm-hmm. It would. It would also drag it down pretty heavy.
3: You could with with uh, like I was saying, just do a Glide Ajax, which would uh, it works exactly like a like a Glide uh, I mean like a Glide record call. You know, it's same same way of working with it, uh, and you can call script include that way. But anyway, mo- moving along here. Uh, so type in background over here on scripts background, and click it. I really gotta get that thing to quit prompting. And then the code from earlier, if you just paste it in here you're actually going to get nothing if you hit the run because you're not telling it to print. So one of the, one of the things I would recommend adding would be, and I'm going to copy and paste quite a bit of this and I'll go through the lines as I'm doing it. First I would get rid of all this, anything commented out because you're not here. Let's do this in a, let's do this in an editor. This will be make more sense because your color coding helps everything. So, Here's that code minus this is the new bit we'll be adding. But if we get rid of the commented out code, it's not actually doing anything and it just makes it harder to read. So let's, uh, although again, it tells you if you want to override your authentication, you could do so here. Same thing with a mid server, you could specify it here. Uh, And then if you want to do any ECCQ stuff, which is events mostly, it's, Uh, a thing, a way of working with your mid-server as well. I don't, uh, never mess with those, but apparently there's a way you can do that in there as well, and it describes it. So what I would do, uh, here's the base code that came with, whenever I hit that, everything minus the uh, commented out code. What I'm going to add here is I'm going to parse using the JSON, JSON, whatever, uh, that's built-in JavaScript. So we will parse the response body, which is here. We will then, turn that into this, uh, this variable, which is actually an object now and dot data. And as you saw a minute ago, here's data. Mm-hmm. So this all, this is all an object now. So first level is that, and these are the next two I can do status or data as we're, uh, as we're choosing here, data is going into this variable, which is still going to be a, a, an array of objects. Uh, and then you have status, which status will be success, at least hopefully. That's what we want it to say when it returns back. And we're not actually going to grab any of these. I don't, I don't think I do. No, I'm just grabbing the length of it of just the employee data, which, again, is the dot data. So that'll count all of these that are in the, uh, in the data property there. So, and then we're just going to pass them out into gs.print, which is how you get things to show on a background script. Uh, if you actually want to view them. <laughs>
1: and, right, yeah, so basically it, without doing a gs.print, it's not going to have anything. You're not going to know what happened.
3: Yeah, it's just going to be... Whoop, uh, it's just going to return like I had here a moment ago where it's just empty. Yeah. You don't know if it's a success or a fail. If it's a failure, a really bad failure, you could look...
1: There'll and, be an error in the script. It's what it would show if there was a, a big problem.
3: Yeah, if you have a typo, actually, it would it would tell you about a typo, so let's leave off something that would actually there we go now it's telling you hey missing the uh in parentheses it doesn't point you necessarily there it doesn't say line 18 which it's not line 18 because it's line 18 technically the first time it recognizes the error is after all of that uh but anyway at least you know
1: and i like to do the background script to try and start to kind of build and test things before i put them in the business rules
3: Oh, for sure. Yeah. I I do everything out of a background script first. Uh, I even do business rules out of background scripts if they're working with the current variable Mm -hmm. uh, or current object and whatever, because you can mimic it. And I I guess I can show that another time how I mimic the current record. That way I can still do like current.number, current.name. I can still test all that stuff without having to have a current, like doing it in the business rule. I can all do it in a background script. Right. Yeah. Right. Yep. Anyway, so if I run this, as you can see, the stati- you know, let me see if I can squeeze the code here at the bottom. Uh, so the- here's the results, which is this one here. And I. that's going to be awesome. Don't click, Justin. Uh, the slash r slash n is why it does a new line. Uh, that's return in the new line. Uh, so status 200 is status. And then we pass the variable 200, blah, blah, blah. There's the body, which... Is uh, right here. And then of course the response body. And then we print it out a little bit nicer way to read it here where it's just the status. And then we put the code number itself. Mm-hmm. And this one here, HTTP status is actually a built in. This one is going to be defined by default when you do that schedule or uh, preview script usage, it's automatically going to have that on there. Yeah. Uh, but a lot of people, a lot of people, the the actual number may not be as helpful as string, which again, should be in the API. Not every API will be called status though. They may have a different, uh, different way of doing it, but what most of them will return you back, what the code actually means in terms of a string. Uh, So that's what this one is doing. That's why it says success. Uh. Again, in length, there was 24 records, 24 records, uh, which if you really want to, you can count, actually don't have to count because they're numbered. So 24, Apparently they don't start with zero. No, they don't. Bad coding right <laughs> there. But anyway, that's that's it. That's very simple. Uh, if you wanted to consume this again, you would make a business rule. Is how I would probably do it, or a schedule script include, as Jason mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. a scheduled job. You know, uh, that's a very common way of doing it. Uh, I've done it to workday. Uh, I don't remember if that was soap or rest though, but anyway, any, any sort of like this here, you might even query every night, bring it in and then filter through the results and make sure, you know, Tiger Nixon's employee salary, maybe it up, well, he gets paid well or she,
2: yeah.
3: Uh, or you know, maybe their profile image, whatever. You can just run through each one and check it against what your maybe your user table or if you have a custom table or CMDB table, you know, whatever your data you're pulling in, you could then run through it. Now that you have the object here, again, dot data is simply because of the, that's the way this API works. Check your API documentation that you're consuming. But for this object, employee data, we could we could filter through the employee data where we do like four var i equals zero. I is less than employee count, I++. Plus plus. And then you could filter through and go through every record here. Um, we don't uh, – every record there and, and actually work with the data with inside of it, inside your scheduled job business rules, script include, uh, or if you're doing Glide Ajax Again, you're going to do all the heavy lifting in that script include, though. I, I, As the other guys mentioned, I do not recommend doing any uh, – client-side stuff, if you're going to just pull it that way, leave all your actual code, like the logic, the business logic should be in a script include in my opinion. Cause then if I want to, I can consume it in a business rule later or a script include, I mean a scheduled job later. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's, you can reuse it much easier whenever you make them in script include. So if you're doing a ton of business logic with something like this, I would make it in a, uh, a script include. So Definitely going to go real quick here and double check. I will say that ahead. we
1: did uh, SolarWinds using the um, the uh, scheduled job, running the script in the scheduled job to grab the data um, and, and to bring it in and put it into. So what you do is you use this, and this is where you get all the data, then you bring it in, and you actually will put it into an import table that you've created for it. Then from the import table, then you can run your transform map. Yeah, I... I used
2: to once to look up the addresses on the locations and put the um, longitude and latitude in there so that the maps would be populated automatically, but Mm -hmm. it would just do that off your locations, and it was a scheduled job that ran every so often. I think we did it once a week because it was a lot of data to update, but...
1: Yeah, we did a business rule that grabbed the um, they put in an address for the beginning and an end date of where they're going. So they clocked in, clocked out, basically from their location, and it put their location down. And they and it went out and grabbed the Google Maps API. Um, and actually filled out the, the distance. It's actually the Google Distance API, but... Yeah.
2: Oh, yeah, I forgot we did that one, too. I? Yeah, yeah, it was, no, good. I was I was thinking the locations when we made it, made the longitude and latitude show so up so I'll you see, could see them, see them on the map. Yeah.
3: yeah. So one other thing I forgot to point out in the code here, uh, this this line we are calling the REST message V2, the first one is going to be the name of the endpoint, So, or which in this case is example rest employees uh, or the message is what they're going to call it. And then this is the method. So we called it get underscore employees. Uh, Again, to Jason's point earlier, it just said default get. Uh, So you kind of want it to be somewhat specific so that you can glance at it. And uh, same thing, it's important to to name your message as well to make sense. Uh, So this may actually be fairly bad. You may want to call it you know, like Active Directory employees or something. You know what I mean? Like that may be what you would want to name your method or even just Active Directory and then uh, the name of the method would be get employees or something along those lines. So, you know, it'd be descriptive on your messages and your methods so that in the code, when you glance at it, uh, it's easy to see and again again, if you ever want to know if this is if somebody gives you the code and you're and you're trying to figure out well how do I see this in the actual platform? you just want to look at this first bit here, which is example rest again, type rest up here in the filter, go to outbound rest message and it's going to be the name that shows up here so for the in this particular case, it was the second one I think yeah example rest ways. And now, you, now you're in there and you know what it is. So that's really all I wanted to, to cover. Uh, this, again, is just a very,
2: very quick, basic uh, run through. Uh, that brings up a point, though. You want to make sure that you don't duplicate those REST message names because you <laughs> could, I mean, you, uh, it's going to run into issues when you call them in the script.
3: Yeah, right. or, or like I had, on, like obviously you can't do the exact same, but to his point, uh, you could name it very, very similar right like these aren't as similar as i thought they were but let's say this one is or even even whatever you get the idea if, if you name them uh too close together you'll you'll have a harder time finding it you can try to find it by the endpoint but the endpoint does not have to nest, like see this one here doesn't have the employees part on it uh i don't even you do have to have one but i think i could put probably anything in there and <laughs> As long as it's a valid, yeah, valid URL, it doesn't actually have to match any of your method. Which the method, as you can see down here, is still uh, is still the API. So, yeah, that first uh, first page where you're on the message itself, the endpoint, I don't actually. I think it's just used for what you're going to default when you create. Like if I create a new method now, but nope. I actually thought it was going to default it. I have no idea what the point of having that <laughs> on the message is because this doesn't seem to ever do anything.
1: It's just, it's just <laughs> so you can it's see just it. It's mandatory in the list. Yeah, it's well, mandatory. No, it, 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 but it also because, writes, it writes down to the name. Well, point. actually,
3: I bet since I'm not required to have yeah, we're still doing. Yeah, I'm not required to have anything here.
2: Hmm.
3: way that's going to fail because. So here's a good example of a failure that looks like a success, because here's 200, but as you can see down here, this is regular HTML, and that is not somewhere on here. It's probably going to say, and I'm not going to find it. Uh, oh, we're almost there. Keep searching. It'll, pro- it'll say, yeah, it just loaded their main page.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it, because
3: it actually is a, it's not a valid endpoint. Uh, uh, for, the, for the people listening and not watching, what did you do to cause it to... This, oh, yeah, it looks sorry. like a success. All right. Yeah, let's go. So I left on the, the new method that I made, I left the endpoint empty, which seems to use whatever you have on the, on the message. All right. So you can leave the endpoint uh, empty on your methods that you create under the message. So that's the hierarchy message is the top. And then you create methods to that. And apparently you can leave them empty and they'll use the, uh, the mess, the, uh, the messages default. And or you can specify your own, of course, on each method. So that was kind of a nice little, nice little test there. But anyway, what I was trying to get at, the whole point there is when you go to REST message itself, endpoint may not be a useful thing. It may not be exactly what you're looking for. Uh, so try to try to use the the name, which is the first uh, parameter of the uh, SN. REST message V2, I think, is what it's called. So,
2: And if you're really good, you could even put a real description in there of what the message is being used for. <laughs> yes. Yes, you could type something useful here. Because, as you know, everyone uses that description field.
3: <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm showing you the common
2: way. I it's like know. everyone comments their code very well. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, even the
3: built-in ServiceNow ones don't have a description. That's great right
2: there. <laughs> I, I was being sarcastic because, yeah, that's you usually how it is. No. Not, a, not, day, a, not as we do, huh? Uh, not a <laughs> single one. Has. I mean, it's not a required field, so obviously it's not important. Hey, even the ones I've gotten from companies don't have the description, so, <laughs> yeah. But at this level, can you
3: – yeah, see, that's kind of – they should add a description to the method more so than the message because. Well, although I technically, think- what you're supposed to do is what I what you're supposed to do is for the methods are supposed to be, get, post, push, delete. Like you're not supposed to necessarily go to a totally different endpoint for each one, because um, an HTTP method is get or post or put, uh, and then delete. I don't. Uh, there's probably more than that, but those are the common REST ones. Uh, and that, so that's kind of the idea they did. But you can consume if you want to do it by, like, the integration itself, rather than say each message is its own actual service. Now REST message, you can combine them all under one and just be very clever with your method naming for the HTTP. And that probably just sounded more confusing than it'd be. But anyway, they let you do however you want. You're not required to only have it be called post and have one of them. You could have, you could have a hundred. Actually, I have no idea what the limit is. So don't quote me on a hundred, but you can have a lot. I've (laughs) had, uh, I think I've had eight or nine. I don't know if I've ever even gone over 10 on one, Um, but I've had several that are, you just change the endpoint on the method uh, because I'm trying to use that message kind of as the container for, like in the example I have on the screen right now, Firebase Cloud Messaging, uh, I would have what, however many different API calls or different APIs they offer would all be under that. Uh, so anyway,
2: yeah. again, you're allowed to do it however you guys feel. Uh, so you best. could create a REST message for each one of those that you'd want, but you could put them all underneath the same method or under the same message. They would just be different. Correct.
3: Yeah. So like on this, method. on the API example that uh, I have on the screen, the website we use, which uh, all five, uh, five of these could be under one message or since each one is technically its own endpoint, uh, you, you, cause it's not like, it's not employees push, pull, get, uh, post whatever it's it's each one is its own. So each one of these could be its own uh, message, which technically they are their own message. If you want to be completely technical about what a rest message is, this would be a get rest message, which the method is still technically get even says method right there. Look at that. Back me up. Thank you. Website. Um, (laughs) So yeah, you could just have, it could be a one, you could have five separate uh, entries on your outbound rest messages. Or you could have one that is the, you know, whatever the name of the application is, in this case, dummy REST API example, and then have five methods under that as a, you know, kind of a container type thing for all that are related to that. I know we're kind of beating this
2: one. Right. But it could work either way, however you wanted to manage it. And again,
3: just to be clear, this is like the, the very quick run through that probably isn't quick in terms of time. Um but it is quick in terms of what i 'm trying to show i 'm not trying to go through every line or, or every possible option option that you can have uh, We could definitely off go much more in depth if somebody needed that
1: uh, well and yeah and, and, and if you need some additional help or you want to reach out to us and and ask for some more specifics on one thing or another, you know we can we can help you on that. I will say the the thing that we haven 't really talked about is how you get it from here into uh, into a the table, if you would, uh, the import table. And that's, um, Justin, could you kind of maybe do a quick explanation of how you get it from, from the business rule or, or schedule job into an import table if you're wanting to do it that way?
3: Uh, I probably won't go into a huge amount of detail. So one way to do that is to extend the import set row and then to create a transform map on that. And I'm just describing this. I'm not actually showing anything. Um, that's one way to do it. Uh, but again, I doing, those are very specific to each integration you're doing. Uh, you may not want to do that. You may just want to have all the code that's happening in, like I said earlier, script include to where that's where all the logic is. And you're not using a transform map necessarily. Cause maybe you want, uh, a little bit more control. I mean, a transform map is handy, but you know, there are some things that is not necessarily going to be the best, uh, case for. So, uh, we could go into those again, maybe on another, another podcast or something. If or
1: uh, well, and, and and I was more specifically thinking, you know, how do you how do you get it from the script? Like, you know, are you using a glide record?
3: You could, if that's the way. Like you could do the transform map, like we mentioned, uh, on an import set row, which would then, when you insert into that table, uh, what you would do. Like in that scenario, you're probably going to do that most often in a scheduled job. If you're going to be using an import set uh, table, you would probably be doing that in a scheduled job. And when it runs, the scheduled job itself would call, you know, this bit here, call the REST message, and then once you got to, uh, once you got to here, this is where you would do. This is where you do your 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 insert with a glide record into whatever that custom table you made that extended import set row. Uh, and that's where you would insert into it. Mm -hmm. Uh, But again, that those get really complicated really quick. So that's more of a, either, either we spend time and I actually be able to give you an example because coming up with one off the top of my head is going to, not going to probably be all that useful (laughs) uh, to to try to explain to somebody again, especially at the pace I'm trying to go for these on how quick I'm covering stuff. Uh, but if that if we get enough people who want that sort of thing, you know, we can definitely show you how to how to consume more so consume this instead of this was just how do you get the integration connected and at this point you can query that system. You're not doing anything with the data, as Jason pointed out. You know, the data is it's just we have the option to call this and get a response and manipulate it in uh, various whether it be the script include or the scheduled job or, or whatever we want to do. There are many options. And they're not all, it's not a one-stop shop either for integration. Sometimes you're going to want to do uh, like a one-off, like a business rule call, uh, like it an async business rule where, you know, you have a new user record gets added to the sys user table. You create a business rule that's then going to query your, your employee system, which would, you know, in the example here, it's going to be the one that you're allowed to pass an ID to. And then we get that single employee's data back, and then you update whatever your sys user table is with said data. You know that'd be that's a decent example of a way to use this in a business rule. Uh, and it is a you know that's a good way to to do that. Um, like I, I've worked with Ultipro before. Uh, they don't have a REST API, so I guess I should, I should take that back. But I mean that that is a system that you could uh, a system similar to that where they're like a web based HR portal where your HR folks do the the onboarding if you're not using ServiceNow, which there are options for that as well. Call Sharpstone. I'm sure we're able to help if you'd like that. Um, but anyway, yeah, you could, uh, you can consume the data that way on a one-to-one type of
1: thing. But a lot of it has to do, well, with, and, and the reason why you look online and you don't see a lot of stuff about integrations is, uh, is because everything is different. You know, when you're talking about integrations, if you understand how things work similar to this, now you know how things get connected. But each system that you're going to connect to is a little different, so there isn't any cookie cutter answer um, right but. i mean we we have one that uh
2: is triggered by workflow and it goes out to the uh v m um environment like vCenter actually it's a a tool that they use that connects to our vCenter and it uh, uh, checks the status of virtual servers and then comes back and updates a a catalog item with that and uh, stuff like that so it can be used in so many different ways and use that data in so many different ways
3: and a lot of these are not hard especially if it's a rest uh rest calls are probably one of the again assuming there's decent uh, support by the endpoint API or documentation, well, you know, uh, which is the type of Anyway, uh, as long as it's got decent documentation, it should not be hard to at least get it set up. Now manipulating the data to be what you want it to be, that can be more time consuming because uh, yep. we, as we all know, uh, no, no two people type even my name the same way. Uh, so <laughs> trying talk- to, trying to correct for user yeah. Ingenuity is what I, I don't
2: mean. type my own name the same way every time. Um, but whenever you're doing rest calls into service now, have you used the rest Explorer?
3: I've only time I've used. So that's, that's more of an outbound.
2: Oh, that's what I mean. I, but you can also use it to get the, um, what if you're like in the, if someone else is trying to do rest calls or posts back into your system, they can use this to get, what service nows would be. Yeah. is what I was trying to yeah, it's a get to. So and I don't,
3: if you can see the screen, I, I went through that really quick. Like, but this is a great way to just, it'll build out. Uh, you can build it out however you want here. I don't, what am I doing? I'm retrieving records from incident, uh, yeah. limited it to one, let's do 10. Uh, and then you get the response back. Here's the actual data. And you could, if so, if you're working with somebody here, so this tells you everything you would need to know. Remember I said headers earlier? Here's the headers. They want an accept header. They want a content type and the X user token. Uh, right. So you would need to pass those. And then if you wanted to see this, you could ServiceNow script. If you're in ServiceNow wanting to talk to like another instance on a one-off, you can click that and it'll show you the script on how to do that. Uh, or if you're, here's JavaScript, you know, uh, this would be if you're not, in ServiceNow, but let's say your mobile app or whatever is trying to get data from your ServiceNow instance, you could do that with, here's here's a JavaScript example or like I said, in PowerShell, it gives you the code just right there that you can copy-paste and and try it out. That's a really slick feature. Yes. Well, it's exceptionally yeah, helpful, especially because these are, you know, very common for integration. Like I've done a lot of PowerShell integrations. It's kind of yeah. like the perfect middleman whenever you have two systems that, Could talk, but either there's a knowledge gap or support. I mentioned earlier about the support problem. Uh, You know, like we have an SAP one that I was working on recently that there was no SME or no expert that we could get a hold of to help us with, uh, and I didn't have access. No one on my team had access into the actual SAP instance, so we ended up using PowerShell to do a bunch of XML calls because they simply have. we had no support to be able to figure out how to actually get, you know, yeah. like what username, how to do it. Uh, yeah,
2: yeah. Sometimes you have to do what you have to do to get, yeah. get the stuff in. And well,
3: it has a lot of nice modules. So yes. you may not even, depending on what, like active directory, you don't even have to do anything fancy. Uh, not great. Right. Active directory is yep. pretty well supported by. The server, yeah. But yeah. Uh, of if you has, to.
1: Perl and Python for the Linux boxes out there. curl
3: uh, are- as well. Mm-hmm. curls very. Common one for Linux? Well, I
1: mean, you got to remember that yeah, I mean, everything. when you're talking about a Git, uh, get, the only thing really required is the accept header. But if you're looking about at a post or a, or a put or a patch or a delete, you're going to have to do both accept and content type uh, is what ServiceNow requires. And, and so if you don't know all that stuff, you click on one of these scripts and it tells you everything. I mean, that's the beauty of this is that right. you don't have to know you know, what I just told you, I know, but I, I didn't need to know that because I could just click on that script and get it. So that does help you along the way. So if you're not a hardcore, um, you know, developer or you're not somebody who is really experienced in doing API calls or doing integrations, you know, the reality is this does help you if you're from an external system. But an internal system, Uh, or from, from internally or to pull from an external source is a little more difficult. Uh, Yes. This is
2: mainly if you're trying to do uh, pulls or um, yeah, pulls or pushes from somewhere into here, it'll help with those, that side, because you, You've already set up the ServiceNow side. That way you can go back and forth. And well, and
1: there's a there. there's a jillion ways to do this. I mean, you've got to, to bring in data. I've, I've been working with SCCM recently, and they have that built-in integration, but there are fields and values and things that we needed that weren't included in it. Well, it's just, the, it's it's a data source with, it is a, a, a JDBC connection with a SQL statement. And, and if you can do those things it's very easy to set up an integration or expand an integration that ServiceNow already has to encapsulate more stuff
3: that's great there's all sorts of internal external i think we haven't even covered soap uh, it's another common one that works similarly kind of uh to the way rest <laughs> does yeah i really sold that one didn't i similarly <laughs> <Yeah>, kind
1: of <laughs> <laughs> uh what do you think soap. is more stable though? I mean, honestly, uh, the, the if I'm rest- working
3: with secure data, I want soap. If I'm working with just retrieving, if I'm working with something that I don't have to have, not, not security, I wouldn't, I mean, they're both, well, they're not both as secure. To me, soap is just a better option. If you want to make sure everything is exactly the way it needs to be. Soap is not a very forgiving, uh, uh, I'm going to say language, but that's not the right terminology there. Uh, way of doing it, yeah, I can't think of the way of anyway soap
1: but uh, soap is more precise
3: yeah, it's very precise yeah. uh and rest you you have a, a lot more leeway it's all just strings, there's no real format requirement like you can probably put them in whatever order you want, uh like on the query parameters you know like it you can get very unclean is
1: uh it's so dirty uh <laughs> <laughs> but it's but it's a, it is a, if if you're not if you're not worried about uh you know I I mean I see this rest messages and I see that it's as secure as anything else that's in service now
3: so, yeah I mean again you're doing everything over HTTPS anyway so unless somebody's uh you know in your network already on that computer and then at that point you know good luck I guess I mean they've already won if they've gotten there already so yeah. Uh, Soap again. It's just it's more of a defined protocol. Hey, there we go. Uh, than, than what I'm going to say, Right. But again, neither one is like better than the other for all situations. Some things don't offer soap. Some things don't offer REST. Like I said earlier, the Ultipro they don't offer. No, not a knock on them, but totally a knock on them. They don't offer REST. <laughs> uh, and you know, if you're a, if you're a web-based tool that does not offer a REST service to consume, uh, you know, get out of being in business. Is my <laughs> right? Yeah. Idea. Yeah.
1: Not uh, not that we're knocking them.
3: Yeah, not no <laughs> knock on, you know, if I have to use Informatica to talk to your stats, anyway. With, with uh, all due respect. Yeah, with all, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was, that was yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So, again, so, soap and rest, not to knock on anything. It's all going to depend on what you have available for whatever tool you're trying to uh, consume. So, if somebody, if you don't go to somebody and say, I have to have rest because I heard this guy say it had to be more precise and I get better data, you know, that's, you may not even have that option. So, don't
2: don't get right. stuck on any right. it, it. It kind of depends on what you can use too. Yeah. back to you do what you have to
3: yeah and again you may yeah. not even they may not have someone they may offer soap but they may not have you know an expert uh subject expert that you can talk to to actually get the right data to connect to it
1: yeah you know?
2: yeah
3: yep. looking at you sap no okay
1: uh <laughs> We've had we've all had our problems. We've all had our problems, because we're always you need certain bits of data sometimes from the system we're connecting to, um, and it's hard sometimes because you don't necessarily have the people that are willing to help you. But there are ways around it, and I'm not saying always go around it, but sometimes you have to do it. So
3: yeah every every integration's different we've all we've had our good integrations that we thought were going to be hard uh, and we've had our hard integrations that we thought would be easy
2: so uh, yeah. you there's even those out of box integrations that are supposed to be just turn it on and go that end up being okay no we have to change a lot <laughs> of
1: stuff or 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 have a yeah so or you get you get it turned on and you start configuring, and nothing happens at all in or products. Or everything happens. Yeah.
2: Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. How do yeah. I
2: get, how do I get rid of 3 million records?
1: Yeah. Well, this is why I use my, this is why I use my sandbox when I'm doing my first connections.
3: <laughs> well,
2: and another yeah. good point that uh,
3: Brenda's brought up. If you're doing the background script testing, you can have it uh, record. Let me go back there. And as long as you're on a, a recent version, you can record for rollback. Yep. So yep. when you okay. run this, if it updates those 3 million records, you can then go to, I uh, think like script, script execution history. There we go. Script execution history. Find the one, like I ran this one here. Open says of me. What's going on here? There we go. Uh, and you can see this is the one it did. It'll have another tab here that says, uh, like affected records or something along those lines. Yep. And yeah. then you can see, oh, it did. It really did do. Uh, it did what I, I did or whatever. And then you can roll back. This doesn't have the option to roll back because I didn't actually yeah. update any records. Yeah, well, uh, I just did
1: And we did an integration with um, a SQL database that had um, information on compliance on computers. And we wrote that back in and we decided to send an email to people who are not compliant. Now, when you load it initially, it put everything as non-compliant and switched everything to compliant. And so we sent 10,000 emails. So when you're running things to production, you might turn off email just to be on the safe side. Yeah, I mean, yeah. of course, you should always test in production, right? I mean, <laughs> see, always, always—it's mark of an expert, right there. Mark of an expert.
2: A normal person would have tested that in like Dev or Test and gone, <laughs> "Oh crap, my inbox!" because I'm the admin.
1: Well, the, the well, no, that's the thing—is—is is it was tested in Dev and it was tested in in Test, uh, but it didn't have the, when when the flag was created, it was it, it just was kind of a fluke thing, but. You should be able to prepare for those kind of things. When you're updating a bunch of data, you really got to think about how is it going to affect differently in production than it will in the other environments. And to follow
3: follow that up, you don't just disable it. I'm showing you the screen now. It's under email properties, under system properties. Uh, Although does this lead to the same one under mailbox? Ah, Or you can go to system mailbox administration email properties. I didn't know that one was there. It's same screen, uh, but you can disable the more, you know, yeah, the uh, email sending enabled, uncheck <laughs> that. But then you also need to go to your mailbox, delete them and the outbox, empty the outbox before you turn it back on. Otherwise,
2: I, yeah, but otherwise also, you've only delayed the apocalypse. <laughs> yeah, <Yes. laughs> you probably
3: just made it worse because they'll have now every email will go out at once instead of you know maybe
1: over the course of a few minutes or an hour or whatever. Well, and, you know, we live and learn on these things, so, you know. Uh, uh, by the way, the outbox like that, make sure
2: that you check the other days also, uh, not just today, because there could be, yeah. oh, yeah, look, more emails, and those will still send, too. So
1: what you're saying is there's some personal experience there, Brent? Um, <laughs> the i trying to think if I did that or not. I don't know. It's I'm just
2: I don't know. I might I have. have ever
3: had me from a previous day I've de- Well, no, I have in dev, but I don't think I remember to delete them out.
2: I will have to say whenever I clone over, I forget to do it and I'll go turn the email on and I'll start getting a hundred emails. It's like, Oh crap. Yeah. I that's another well, we have,
1: we actually have all of, uh, so I've, I've seen a couple of different ways I've had it turned on and just pointed to me and put it in a separate folder. Randomly emptied out whenever I got, you get it gets a bunch. The other thing is I've I, I've put it to a service account, created a service account, put it to the service account so everything so more people can view that service account who have access to it. I believe you can put comma delimited names in there so you
2: can have it send to multiple people. Yeah. Uh um, Oh yeah. 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 So I just randomly pick somebody in the corporation and let it go to them and <laughs> tell them. <laughs> no.
3: <laughs> I just created a rule so, in my Outlook that if exactly it comes from red.
2: Dev, or whatever, then yeah, it, if it comes it, from Dev or Test, it goes to a special folder in my yeah, yeah. Inbox. and auto
3: red,
1: yeah, because yeah. I don't yeah.
3: like seeing nine thousand unread.
1: Course, or, what so doing. what you're saying is you take the last person that made you mad and put their email in there? No, actually, I've never done that. Now I'm <laughs> thinking about that it, I idea. A
3: reminder when you're testing, instance, though, is yes. To not put, so I, we, this actually happened last week. We had, we were testing demand and not, you know, I have, uh, in tests, I have all the emails turned off cause I'll, I do that all in dev, uh, and I only do tests when I'm actually between, uh, you know, getting ready to actually push it up. So we normally yeah. have it turned off and, uh, we'd had it off for Uh, probably two months because we were doing the upgrade and anyway they wanted to do testing on demand. We put their name in here, turned it on and this will do every, if you use this area, it does every single message.
2: Mm -hmm. Right. Whether they were in the
3: true field or not. Right. (laughs) And
2: and, uh, clean out your outbox before you turn that on or your, yeah, your outbox because that's what happens to me is those come across when I forget to clear it out. Yeah. So...
3: And when you have an actual instance, you will have a lot of emails you didn't even realize were being created. Yes. From just random.
1: Well, the older the instance, the more problematic that is. I mean, we, you know, we have, um, I worked with the the third customer service now and and there were, my God, there were emails, they had the most random. There were like uh, 1,100 or 1,200 emails uh, in the system that, that got sent out for different things so it gets really complicated really fast. Um, I mean, think
3: about it when you have like, let's say you're using the incident module, right? Every time you create, someone creates an incident, there's going to be an email to the person who created it, an email to the team who received it, an email possibly to either the team or the individual, if it was auto assigned anytime they uh, like, let's say if you have SLAs enabled as well, then you're going to have a bunch depending on how long the ticket's been sitting in test untouched. You're going to get those starting to be generated fairly often.
2: Uh-huh. I like Maybe. how we've gone from integrations to talking yeah, about email now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just <laughs> so, think it was. Hey, yeah. never get off topic on this podcast. No, so we don't. No. Know,
3: we don't. no on,
1: anyway.
3: Okay. <laughs> okay. So, for more about REST integrations, reach out and go <laughs> from there.
1: Yeah. And we are here to help you. So if you have a question or you need something, you know our information is you know is available there. To send us a message, um, you know, holler at us on LinkedIn. Really get connected with us, and we'll get, we'll try our absolute best to help you with whatever you need. Um, that, if you have you know, an integration just- issue, I think we can we can help you with that as well i'd love to you know i think we'd all like to have live issues not production like not in your production environment but you know actual problems to troubleshoot and, and go over on the on this podcast yeah,
2: absolutely oh yeah answering questions you know helping people out that'd be great we would and if you don't want to use it a couple instance, times you know we can yeah. we can re-
3: replicate no i'll well, depend unless it's like a core now issue, I guess, but, you know, we can replicate whatever your issue probably is so it's one of our devs, and in and, and that way, if you're not want to use production data, you know, if that's a worry.
2: Uh-huh. Yep, we can try to replicate and yeah. try to help if, things. If security is a priority in your
3: organization. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's 2020 <laughs> or whatever. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, with that being said, I um, think we've reached the end of <laughs> I think we've reached the end. If you guys, again, if you need anything, have any questions, uh, our information's there. Uh, feel free to reach out to me directly or Randy. Um, and, uh, it is, uh, I guess we'll have, uh, we'll have fun next time. So give yep. us a holler if you need anything. Yep. It's,
2: it's always a pleasure. Thanks everybody. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Thanks.
0: See you guys. We want to thank our flagship sponsor for this show, the Sharpstone Group, LLC. Sharpstone is your source for all of your service now needs. Implementation, development, administration, strategy, and architecture. Contact the Sharpstone Group today at info at or 405-594-0100. We'd love to answer your questions or have you on the show. Contact us at servicesharp at sharpstonegroup.com or find our LinkedIn info in the notes. Additional sponsorship opportunities are available.